Welcome everyone to Wii Universe. This is the podcast where we are playing every single Wii U game. We're just jacking them right into our heads and then we suddenly gain the powers of Captain Toad. It's going to be great. Okay. Uh, but I only, I only heard today. jacking it and then I, then I was like, wow, we're doing something <laughs> different podcast on this podcast. Where we're jacking it to Captain Toad. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's exactly. the one. We've rebranded <laughs> with a strong pivot away from what we were doing. Before. Actually, it's not that strong of a pivot. Yeah, that's we true. We'll we, we, we change our first section. What are you playing? into what are you jacking into <laughs> I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that podcast exists it most definitely exists uh, uh no i will not listen to it yeah um, this is a podcast where we discuss the singularity right we do we yeah are... this is the one we're getting closer and closer to it and pretty sure uh i'm not going to be on the list of people who get the singularity right okay like, i don't think i get to be uploaded uh, I think it's it's so far it's just the elites, right? <laughs> yeah, the one no, the the coastal elites, the one percent, the the Elon Musks. You know, the, you know, that's okay. Like I've been I've been alive like thirty three years, and it already like kind of feels like enough. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I don't mean that in like a super dark way or anything. No, no, but no, I'm, like, I'm like, I don't need to go like feel like all oh, humans will live like you know, their consciousness will go on 200 years. And I'm like, eh, yeah, yeah no, I don't, I like, don't want uh, that. I mean, like, you know, look, I'm not saying cut me off now. No, you know, no, by just, no means. Yeah, no, I just, you know, I, I think I think I need to know that there's an end point. But yeah. maybe like the human lifespan is, is set, set one way for a reason. Also, I'm not so vain to believe that, like, I'm going to contribute much if I just get to keep perpetuating forever. I'll just spend, like, the next 200 years learning more stuff about old video games. So, <laughs> sure, which will, be, which will be long past. Eventually, it's... that will be our currency, but uh, it, <laughs> until that day. It is, like, a weird thing to think of, like, if you brought people who, like, were these sort of amazingly innovative thinkers from years past, would their knowledge be totally irrelevant, like... Oh, yeah. Someone like Galileo, if he was like his constant <laughs> consciousness was still alive, but you're like, yeah, we know that the you know the Earth goes around the sun, Galileo. We've known that for you know years and years because of you. And he's like, well, I'm out of ideas then. Like, yeah, like, I, I, Galileo, I, do you have any tips on like? It's getting... me, Galileo. I've got to nothing else. <laughs> yeah, so, he's yeah. like, I don't know how to you know refine your iPhones to be smaller. That's far <laughs> out of my subset. I'm a learning um, C plus plus. Yeah. Yeah. Voice of Mario by Galileo's subconsciousness in the singularity. Exactly, exactly. I'm not just being casually racist. We have uh, <laughs> some conversation to bring up later in the show about that voice of and Mario. And more times to be casually racist later you know, in the show. Exactly. There's going to be plenty of opportunities for that. Uh, my name is Steve Gunling. Hi, I'm Woody Siskowski. We forgot to do intro. We're already like so far off the rails, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. Today, we are talking about a game called Deus Ex Human Revolution. And I'm excited to be getting into this one because... This is a series I've kind of meant to get to forever and just never really dug into. I mean, this like, is a series for dorks. Let's, a, oh, let's be clear. Me mega dork. This is hard sci-fi. Not, not like us cool kids. Oh, um, no, no, no. Not like us. We, we, yeah, we were busy like... types. Exactly. Like, uh, back in the year 2000, what were we doing? We were like going to a bunch of cool parties, hanging oh, out with all the cheerleaders. Definitely being invited to those. Yeah, yeah 100%. exactly. Yeah, yeah, I was top of the list every time. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, the Deus Ex games are... Uh, I, I've always kind of like, you know, you, you hear descriptions of them. It's like, yeah, this sounds like it would totally be up my alley. Yeah. Like, this is, this sounds really cool. And I just never really got around they're to like it. They're like important reason. foundational games that mm -hmm. like, they're like people, they're like Tristram Shandy. 
Tristram Shandy of video yeah. games, where sure. people are like, oh, this is really... Bu- they, too, are cock and bull stories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is built on, like, very important information, but no one's actually read it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. it's like the Thief games, where, like, sure. oh, these are so innovative, and you're like, great, I've never met anyone who gives a shit about Thief. No, exactly, like- <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like we were talking about Alone in the Dark the other day. Yeah. That's kind of the same thing. It's like, yeah, no, this is very important. I'm not going to play it. Yeah. Uh, uh, but Deus Ex like, probably cons- more playable than mm-hmm. those, I imagine. But uh, I mean, it's tough. The first Deus Ex comes from is a very like super ambitious game. Yeah, when you think about kind of what was being done in the first person space. Like, yeah, yeah. It came out in the year two thousand. In the year two thousand. In the year two thousand. Um, which, I mean, I guess. Yeah, we'll get into it just very quickly. Like, the central gimmick of Deus Ex is that it's kind of like RPG plus first-person shooter plus stealth, like, jammed together. It was, like, yeah. really the f- one of the early games that, like, what if we combined a bunch of genres here that haven't been Yeah, seen? really a nice mashup, and then it's kind of like a cyberpunk slash film noir kind of setting. Yeah. So there's just, like, hybrids upon hybrids upon hybrids, and it's thematically it works, too, because it's a series all about, like, making hybrid man-human machines. It's about enhancing yourself with technology. And, like, which, the gameplay, like, plays in very smart because if you are in a situation where, like, okay, there's this window up there that you have to get to or you can sort of crawl through a back alley, it's yeah. like, do you want to raise your stealth implants or your jumping implants to get up there? Sure. And so, yeah, it fits in. Yeah, yeah. I, would you get cybernetically enhanced, like... If if that technology exists, I mean, I guess yeah, it exists to a degree. I definitely would. I would yeah. get like Jack style arms. Where yeah. I could just, oh, like, yeah, just big metal arms stuff. or or metal legs and just like run really fast. It, one like, one of those. I don't think I'd be able to afford any of the super badass mm, ones, but true. I would probably get one to like couple give me, metal thumbs. Yeah, yeah. Give me give me better handwriting. How about like <laughs> sure. give me some of that because I still write like a third grader. And like that, that would be an, I, that's one of those skills I assumed would just kind of improve over time. But you write less and less with your hand, yeah. like as you get older. So, and you get lazier and lazier when you buy at Trader Joe's and just leave a scrawl. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you have a, cons- I don't have a consistent signature. I, like, I, I, I make an effort to have it look like my name, but I realize that is all for naught because I've been grocery shopping with other people who literally just make a line. It could be anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It can be it, anything. It's such a, a pointless ritual of the signature. Um, it is. Do you, what about like getting binoculars imprinted in your eye so there's yeah. like zoom functionality? That always annoys me. I, I would love that so long as like the eyes extend out of my head. So then I can go like, ooga, ooga, you know, like <laughs> when you see a sexy cartoon lady, exactly. a Jessica Rabbit type, you know, <laughs> which is walking around with an enhanced butt with like sure. pistons in it or something, yeah. like <laughs> making it look like an off balance laundry machine. You, yeah. you, you, you're pitching the cartoon adaptation of Tetsuo the Iron Man. (laughs) Exactly. That's basically what this is. All right. Well, let's dig in a little bit to this series. Uh, Well, firstly, Deus Ex Human Revolution was released October 22nd, 2013. And to be clear, this is the director's cut. The director, he took it, he cut it. Well, the reason being the Wii, this is the Wii U version, but Mm. the original game came out in 2011. Right. Yes. Yeah. Quite a bit later. Later. Yeah. Uh, this was developed by Eidos Montreal and published by Square Enix, and it was also released on the PS4, the Xbox One, Windows, and Mac. Now, this uh, Eidos Montreal, this this uh, subsidiary was formed in 2007, and this is their very first game. For the most part, they had just been exclusively on the Deus Ex series. Their only exceptions had been Thief and then Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which is the third of the recent Lara Croft, oh, excuse me, reboots. 
But uh, after the Deus Ex series kind of seemed to go belly up, uh, they put them on the Marvels of the Avengers, which was not a game I liked. And they've got a, uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy game coming out later okay. this year, which I hope is better than that Avengers one. They, I have a real problem. This is back to what you said a little bit ago, but with the branding of things of like falling and rising in titles. Oh, yeah. I think this is a real bad trend that I've noticed that started with like the, the Planet of the Apes reboots did these. And because there's no... There's no consistency to what comes first and what comes second. Like, do you rise and then fall, or do you fall and rise? Well, and it doesn't like... make sense. Yeah, for the Planet of the Apes, it's like the first one is rise, the second one is dawn. They both kind of mean, like, the beginning of something. Yeah. So, like, which one are we going with? And it's like, like War there's... for the Planet of the Apes makes sense. It's a, it's the last one. Yeah, it's a big well, you war. don't know if that, that could be the middle one. I mean, it could be, yeah. yeah. Could, maybe there's, like, a, a, you know, the... the antebellum of the planet of the apes yeah so like the, exactly the post-war reconstruction of the planet yeah, of the apes yeah exactly <laughs> the building of infrastructure on the planet of the apes yeah, yeah. i don't know the, the silent 20 the roaring 20s of the planet of the apes sure yeah ape prohibition yeah, yeah why not but like the <laughs> laura croft games have the same problem of like i know that they rebooted those yeah but like i have no idea even how many games are in the new tomb raider franchise three Okay. Yeah. But I have no idea what any of them were called. Yeah. So. That, well, that's a good, the, that's the case where the the first one is just Tomb Raider. Okay. The second one is Rise of the Tomb Raider, and the third one she's risen so high that she's now casting a shadow, and ah. she's within her own shadow of a Tomb Raider. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know why. I mean, it's been established that you can name the games the same things that already exist. So why not just call them Tomb Raider one, two, and three? Why not? Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. We won't be Tomb lost. Raider two point. 2.0.1. Tomb Raider 2.0. Ultimate Championship Hyper Edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. Just do that. Keep it simple, like yeah, the old yeah. days. Alpha 3DX5D. Anyway, Deus Ex. <laughs> uh, Deus Ex is the legend, the brainchild of Warren Spector, who is a legendary producer we talked about in our Epic Mickey episode, the Ooh. game he's best known for. Yeah, exactly. Epic Mickey 2. Uh, Spectre got his start in the 80s uh, developing tabletop RPGs, and he worked with a guy named Steve Jackson. You might know as the creator of the Munchkins games and a whole bunch of other tabletop games. Did you games. know that Munchkin? Have you ever played Munchkin? Never have. I've seen there's like a million of them. There's like 10 million of them. It's like a terrible board game. Is it? It's, it's just surprising because like there is so many copies of that around, and sometimes you just get suckered into it. Because they but, have really strong branding on yeah, that. It's exactly. like every kind of and, and everything has their own. It's just game. weird that it's like this is this huge thing and like Steve Jackson's name on you play it and you're like, the mechanics in this game are terrible. Yeah. Like yeah. um the premise is one player has to get to level ten. Like they have to level up ten by like beating enemies and getting random equipment. But when somebody is at level nine, everyone else just teams up on them. Oh really? Because, well, to prevent them from winning. Oh, okay. And then the End result is that no one can ever win, and eventually you just get sick of playing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's like risk, yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Uh, well, either way, like, are you familiar with the GURPS system? Of course. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a, uh, I, I know all about them GURPS. Yeah, Steve Jackson and uh, Warren Spector were the guys kind of instrumental in developing just, that tabletop system. Okay, yeah. yeah do do we a, know? I'll give the very brief backstory in GURPS so we're not just spitting GURPS into the wind. Yeah. But uh, this was the... Original Fallout, I think, was mm -hmm. um, trying to buy, like, oh, no, this is a gaming system that the original Fallout was trying to buy, I right. think. Right, yeah, and they were, they were trying to use it. It was expensive, and they just did their own thing. Yeah, they kind of did their own, like, but it's still kind of similar to what the GURPS system, like, I forget what it stands for. It's G-U-R-P-S, but yeah, it's just kind of like a... Governing rules for like tabletop RPGs. And it's, it's very versatile. So, like, mm -hmm. you can integrate this system into a bunch of different themed 
tabletop RPGs. And that like it was one of the few alternatives to like the Dungeons and Dragons rule set. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So after a little bit of uh, doing tabletop gaming, uh, Warren Spector took a job as a producer with Looking Glass Games, and he worked on famous titles like Wing Commander, Ultima, and the original System Shock, which this game you were just saying feels a lot yeah, like. That's a great game. Or I, great. actually, System I've never Shock played. I've never played the original System Shock. That game is a, a real reach to go back into the world of original System Shock. It feels very dated. It's probably fine, but yeah, I'm sure it's definitely one of those games that's like of its time. But System Shock Two is still pretty fun today. Yeah, like that System one holds Shock up. Two is great. Uh, so uh, Spectre May was made the ma- uh, manager of Looking Glass Austin and was a creative lead behind the hit stealth game Thief the Dark Project. Uh, shortly after that game launched, he left Looking Glass and was prepared to take a contract with EA when he was approached by Doom creator John Romero, who offered him a position with his new company, Ion Storm. They were currently in development. He was looking development. for someone to be his bitch. He was. <laughs> he was. And he found one. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe not, because things kind of got turned around. Uh, after they were working on what was sure to be the biggest hit of the year, Daikatana. Uh, Something went wrong in there. Um, So uh, after that game flopped pretty badly, uh, so Warren Spector was brought in to run Ion Storm Austin. The original uh, office was in Dallas. But after the game, the Daikatana bombed, uh, Ion Storm Austin became like the only Ion Storm, and Warren Spector became effectively the head of the company from there. I see. And now he had the newfound clout, and he could kind of make whatever he wanted. And that thing that he wanted to make was Deus Ex, which was a very, very ambitious game. It cast you as a security operative named J.C. Denton, uh, and it imagines this crazy, bizarre future world where the entire planet is gripped by this deadly pandemic. Oh, Insane. Yeah. Such wild sci-fi tropes. The twist here, though, is that... Uh, the vaccine is not readily available, but people want it so bad that they're like rioting in the streets trying to get it. Oh, you mean yeah. like the thing that would make sense? The thing like, that makes sense, yeah, as opposed yeah. to the world that we live in now. Yeah, yeah, a non-nightmare world. Sure. Yeah, this sounds like a well. Blast. It, it, this it, sounds it, like a fun relief. Sure, it's from inverted nightmare world, but at least it makes sense. Yes, at least exactly. You follow the logic. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Denton is a member of a squad initially tasked with stopping different terrorist cells from springing up and reclaiming the stolen cure. But the story doesn't really play out on those lines because aside from blending all these different genres, the big emphasis this game put on was on branching paths and on like making your own way through the game. And it's it's not like a um, like a binary good and evil system, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of the choices that you make will close off some options to you and open up others. I see. It, and, and you can, I mean, you can go evil, but it's not like you've got a meter like in Kotor or anything that says, "Oh, you're on the dark side now." Sure. You know? And this game is very much like a spir- spiritual successor to what System Shock and System Shock 2 had done, which yeah. were early examples of like, okay, what if we took a first-person shooter and injected these RPG elements into it? But those games are pretty are pretty linear. They're yeah. not like, you know, GoldenEye or Doom levels of linear, but you, you definitely have very like set paths to go on and where to get from here to here. And Deus Ex is like, okay, we're going to give you the autonomy and sort of a more open-worldy feel mm-hmm. to do these missions at your own pace. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it, it worked out pretty well for them. I mean, the game was a pretty big hit, and it became, like, the groundbreaking shooter that basically Daikatana wanted to be. Oh, that's and, true. And uh, just wasn't. 
I won a lot of like best of the year awards. In 2011, PC Gamer Magazine actually called it the number one best PC game of all time. And like, just to be clear, the steep. number one best PC game of all time is the best video game ever because you can play everything on PC. You, you pretty much can. So, so that's, uh, that's, that's quite a claim. And I yeah. think that was one of the articles I read that kind of introduced me to this game. I'm like, oh shit, okay, maybe this is a canonical kind of shooter i should play at some point it, you know? but it's also a system uh franchise that i think is pretty closely tied to pc like i feel like cyberpunk stuff in general just feels better on the pc that's it very somehow true. makes a lot more sense you feel like you're like a hacker with like your like uh light light up keyboard in front of you and like the mouse yeah the mouse and keyboard just feels way more natural to this stuff cyberpunk as a genre is something i always want to be like more into than i am yeah me like, too i, I love like the screenshots. idea i'm like these all look sweet yeah yeah it's really cool and i mean i mean there are uh different movies and games and things that i like in the genre but as an aesthetic, like there's something that just leaves me a little cold about it. I think it's because it is such hard sci-fi. It's so much about like jargon and and technology and stuff like that, not really about people. You and know? yeah, I'm trying to think if there's ever been like, uh, is RoboCop cyberpunk? I mean, it, it has not. I don't know. I don't think it's futuristic yeah, enough. I think yeah, of I like think you're right. Akira, maybe Blade Runner. Uh, I just finished uh, Akira. It was like nice. twelve. Hundred pages is like yeah. longer than Infinite Jest, but it's, most of it had uh, just a bunch of pictures. So yeah, I blazed through it really. Yeah, fast. there probably was like a <laughs> yeah. single whole pages of just like an image. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I'm just trying to think if there's any cyberpunk stuff that has really, really resonated with me. Because you're, I'm exactly the same. Like I always look at those like turn-based Shadowrun games on Steam. And I've, I've tried those to look get into, super I've, cool. I've wanted to but, get into Shadowrun. It looks cool. Like I want to be into this, but I it. Whenever I just like start trying, like it just kind of I don't know. It just feels a little. Everything to me. is like always so dark and rainy and glistening. And it like looks good in screenshots, but when you look at it for a little bit, you just kind of lose interest. There's an element of really hard sci-fi that's like kind of intended to alienate. You know, it's mm. that like it it wants you to feel either like stupid for not getting it or like feel really really smart if you get it. I you see. know, and then you just kind of dig in a little bit deeper on these tropes. That's kind of where I always land. That with makes it. sense. Anyway, uh, so uh, Warren Spector, he stayed with Ion Storm for a 2002 enhanced PS2 port of Deus Ex, which I think I actually own, and again, laziest man in the world, didn't play it. Uh, and there was an official sequel also in 2002 called Deus Ex Invisible War, which was released on PC and Xbox. And that one takes place 20 years after the events of the first game, and again, it's all about branching paths and kind of discovering your own way through and Invisible War was once again a big critical hit, but uh, it was a massive commercial flop. And uh, there, there were a couple of related spinoffs that were planned, uh, including one called Deus Ex Insurrection and a sequel called Deus Ex Clan Wars. And both of those were canceled. I think Clan Wars was later redeveloped into a game called Project Snowblind. Oh, I've heard, I've heard of that game. I've seen that game yeah. on store shelves. It exists no in the exact same space as my brain as the game Black. Yeah, yeah, or like Rogue Trooper or yeah, like things exactly. like that. Yeah, it's like this is a game that does exist, yeah. or Dark Sector. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's a slightly bigger section than whatever the Dark Sector is. Probably, it's, probably. It, what we, that, That's the one with the glaive, right? Like the. No, you're thinking of the movie Kroll. Oh, I am thinking yeah. of the movie. I'm often thinking of the movie Kroll in my later years. <laughs> sure. Uh, so yeah, after that game kind of tanked, uh, Ion Storm was acquired by IDOS. Spectre left to go work for Disney and work on the Epic Mickey games. And the Deus Ex property languished for nearly a decade. 
Uh, now, the proper third game, which was initially just called Deus Ex 3, was announced in 2007, and it was released in 2011 as this game, Deus Ex Human Revolution. And this is kind of being envisioned as a soft reboot. So this is a prequel to the original game, and it stars entirely different characters. There's no real crossover. Um, so it is a good place to like jump which, in if you've never played which the series Which is before. totally fine. Like Considering that there's been, at this point, it would have been, you know, a little 10 year, 11 years since the first game came out. And there's only been one other game since then. Like you do not need to continue the story here. No, it's like, I feel like any games that have such in any franchises that have such infrequent release schedules, it's like, you are okay. Just kind of putting something set in this world. Cause anyone's yeah. interest in like a specific character from the first game has probably waned. Right. Yeah, exactly. These are not like, yeah, people are not clamoring to see JC Denton or Alex. Right. These like, are very yeah. like bland protagonists who sort of just exist to see, like unfold the conspiracy around them. And while I would argue that the protagonist of this game is pretty bland too, at least he does have like a look and a style. He's kind of more of a, you can, you can brand off of him a little bit better. Like he's pretty distinctive. So yeah, uh, IDOS put a lot of marketing muscle behind this game. They're hoping to kind of reestablish this franchise as like a new AAA thing. Uh, there was a limited run DC comic, a couple of novels, and the movie rights were immediately optioned. Uh, last time I checked, like it says it's in production. Uh, Scott Derrickson, who directed Doctor Strange, is working on it. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if it's really going to come out because this game was a hit. Human Revolution mm. sold like three million copies, okay. which is like. I think it said uh, the stat I read that it sold more in its first week than Invisible War did in its entire run. Wow! So that's that's pretty good, um, or pretty bad for Invisible War. Sure, I guess, either way really you want to look at it. But this was followed up with a game called Mankind Divided that really didn't hit. Uh, people kind of, that came out in 2016, and I think it kind of came and went without people noticing. So I mean, what that pattern tells us is that you got to wait 10 years before every uh, yeah. new Deus Ex game. And then we need a prequel. Prequel. This one's just set in 1983, and it's just about Adam uh, playing with Legos or something. Or just like your second, you, you just alternate and you make one good one and then one that you put no budget or effort into because that won't sell well and then you just make a good one again. Exactly, exactly. That's all you got to do. I, I don't know what the point of like having this as a mo like a movie would be. I guess if this game sold particularly well, like I just don't think of that as a name brand that would really matter and there's no yeah. there's no elements of this series that like strike me as super unique in the movie world. Like it's like the movie Upgrade. Sure. Like that sure. but that's like very similar aesthetic that's its own weird thing like that could essentially be a deus ex yeah movie. yeah yeah, <laughs> and, like, yeah it would work fine i just i don't know like what you're drawing from the license itself here i think like when i imagine what this deus ex movie would look like in my head i just immediately get bored it, yeah. I, I just think of like the ghost in the shell adaptation or something did you like, like that uh, like, the dennis villeneuve blade runner sequel i did yeah, yeah. i actually liked that a lot yeah. i think gonna make a new another one of those are they done with I, Blade Runner? i don't i don't think there's gonna be any more blade running okay, i kind of doubt that's it that's fine we ran enough it. blades i hear that but, dune movie is pretty great yeah that, the, uh, i'm excited to see that one, one of the more unpleasant experiences i had was being encouraged by my friends to watch the, the david lynch dune with them i've never gotten to it yeah and i'm not i think it was the combination of a that movie's super boring and b i have no idea what's going on in dune normally because i've no. never read it yeah, and that movie does not help. I, here's <laughs> so. the thing. I have read it. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> sure. in it. I read that whole damn book. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, no, it's pretty dense. Uh, all right. So the story here, this game takes place in 2027, uh, far off distant future sure. year. Unimaginable. Uh, just think in the context, that's far enough from us as 
2015 was. Like, 2015 does not oh, feel wow. like a long time ago. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. The biggest new technical innovation is human biomodification, and this technology is kind of poised to take over the world and sort of usher in the next era of human evolution. But it is also a very controversial topic. A lot of people don't think you should be able to modify yourself like that, and the conflicts between the pro-mod and the anti-mod people are becoming violent. Well, that's, I mean, that's accurate. That's accurate. I can see that happening. Yeah. We're a, a violent species as a people. So, yeah, as robotic augmentation becomes more and more common, there are a handful of companies around the world that have risen to become, like, the most powerful entities on the planet. And one of these companies is called Serif Industries. And uh, increasingly, the different companies have been sending spies to kind of steal each other's stuff. And some of these attacks are growing more and more violent. And so Serif Industries has hired a security team led by a former cop, named Adam Jensen, who was recommended by his girlfriend, Megan, who is the head scientist at Serif Industries. Now, as the game opens... So are um, you Adam Jensen, I'm assuming? You are Adam okay. Jensen. As the game opens, the Serif Industries office is attacked by some uh, terrorists known as the Tyrants. They are very heavily biomodified and, like, super big and scary. Uh, Adam is thrown through a plate glass window, uh, which has realistic effects for once. Like, most of the time you see somebody go through a plate glass window, it's like they shrug it off and they brush some glass shards mm. off themselves as opposed to being impaled in several organs. Yeah, exactly. Which and is what happens to Adam Their body here. totally shredded. Yeah, Adam is fucked up after this attack. Uh, his girlfriend is seemingly killed in the lab and uh, he is only just barely saved by them putting just millions and millions of dollars of biomechanical parts inside his body. So the game opens up six months after this where he's finally getting back onto the job working security cases, and uh, from there you can kind of decide how you want to approach the story. There are a lot of quests, it's kind of very open-ended, and uh, it's just kind of all about progressing and developing your skills and your strengths. Um, so as a story, I don't know, I just, I didn't really find much to grab onto. Um, I, I think the, the opening cut, I think the game looks pretty nice. I think yeah. the cutscenes look bad. The cutscenes okay. look really like outdated and kind of clumsy, um, and yeah, so that's kind of your first introduction to it's it. It's hard. Something that I think has been, for whatever reason, closely associated with cyberpunk is like bureaucracy, and I feel like yeah. a lot of these games, like when I think back on like Snatcher or something like that. Um, oh, that's a cyberpunk thing I like. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. like that game again, like a lot of these things you play as like a cop, yeah. and the first or, you know, a security officer, and the first level is always, like, in the precinct, and someone's giving you this briefing, and it's just very, like, it's just very chatty about all these different factions. Yeah, And, yeah. like, what, like, what the biometrics mean, and you're like, all right, guys, <laughs> let's move this along a little bit. I and mean, they, it's like, when you, it's like every day when you show up to your job, you mm -hmm. have to have a long conversation where they explain exactly what it is you do, who yeah. you are, uh, what you need to do with your day-to-day -day job. Yeah, exactly, like... Yeah, as we all face every day as we leave our houses. Yeah, they're just not, they don't quite get to the fun stuff No, quick enough. I and mean, I guess it's because they, you know, for people who like this genre and like setting of things, it's important to like really build the world up. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, I want to see some like goofy stuff right from the get-go to sort of whet my appetite for, for this. And, and yeah. this game doesn't really supply that. This no, game is it, not silly by any means. It's not silly. It's very, very self-serious. And I don't want to, like, pick on a particular accent in any way because I, I think I've made the similar claim. It just happened to be a similar accent. 
But for a game that's set in America, where it's like pointedly set in America, mm-hmm. it's kind of instrumental that it would be. Every character in this game has a very thick, like, French-Canadian accent, okay. which I found distracting. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened in Heavy Rain. And again, it was French-Canadian. And I do not have any problem with French-Canadian accents. I think they're lovely, but it does tend to take me out of things a little bit. Well, yeah, if Especially you make the choice the, of, like, yes, this is set in this location and have it be noticeably different. Especially when the vocal performances just don't really have a lot of oomph behind them. Yeah, like, the there's ca- no your, real energy. Your main protagonist has a very odd voice. Like He's kind of going for a snake thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it almost has, like, a level of, like, reverb and distortion behind it that made me think, like, he had a voice box modification as, like, the character. Which would have been cool, which would have made sense, yeah. yeah. But I, I think he's just, like, a gruff man. Uh <laughs> I that's what that's what it says on my uh, dating profile. Just a gruff, just, man. just like a gruff man. I it's, think that's all you need to yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I'd probably have more success with that actually. <laughs> I mean, Adam as a character never really jumped out for me either. Like, I don't find him a very compelling protagonist. He's, you know, uh, we were just talking on our Silent Hill episode for Patreon. Like, where you know, there's there can be a narrative reason to have like a blank character to have someone who just doesn't really have a whole lot of personality. And this game doesn't really justify that. He's just kind of boring, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's Um, true. All right, so yeah. But again, the hallmark of the Deus Ex series is choice and variability, and that still carries over here. So the way you approach the story is pretty much entirely up to you. One thing that I have a problem with in general that I think design video game designers need to figure out a way to get around. Mm -hmm. If you're in a situation where you're like, all right, we need to put a stealth section here. Don't put a vent. If you're like, I get how that's like a very simple go-to of like, oh, let's just put a vent there and then go through the vents. Vents fucking suck. Yeah, I don't like crawling in vents. I don't want to do it anymore. No, I'm I'm sick of it. I mean, I'm fine doing it in games, but I I don't want to do it in real life I always think of that episode of The Simpsons where they grease Willie up (laughs) and send him through the vents, which is distracting because I'm thinking about greased Willie. And and B, it's so easy to get lost in these vents. Mm Mm-hmm. See, it's very, it can be hard to see the vents. Like, they can be easy to walk past. I remember in uh, Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, mm. there was a section where I was, was lost and walking back and forth for what felt like days just over the same level. And then I just saw this small vent that I was supposed to proceed in. And finally, D, like, the idea of it being sort of an open-ended stealth thing, as soon as you see a vent, that feeling of it being open-ended goes away. Oh, sure. Because you're like, oh, this was hit put here specifically to make me do this stealth path. So right. it doesn't feel like I'm actually using any kind of skills or like distraction on my enemies or innovative things. I've just taken the pre-established stealth path. There is a route. I just needed to identify it. Yeah. yeah that kind and of that um, this game has a lot of vents. <laughs> it does. It has a lot, it has a great deal of vents. Um, I'm not saying that the future it's like that old rap song, The Future Will Have Vents. It will, but, <laughs> of course, obviously. So uh, this game that we played today is the Director's Cut. So for the development of the Wii U Director's Cut, IDOS Montreal, they partnered with Straight Right, which is an Australian developer who also helped uh, adapt Mass Effect 3 to the Wii U, okay. which I think pretty successfully. Yeah. Um, so the Wii U version includes new Miiverse features, which, of course, we can't access, but you can leave notes for other players and things like that. Uh, it gives you a full extended arsenal and both DLC missions. Credit to the developers, though. This game uses the gamepad a lot. Yeah. And I think that's really, like, I'm, I'm so glad that they got this right. Because thematically, this is a game about enhancing yourself with all these different, <laughs> uh, uh, we- like, uh, mechanical and technological yeah. 
objects. And so using this extension of your body, like as a different little data point feels right. This this is a game in a setting where it makes sense that you kind of have like a smartphone style hub thing that actually like interacts with the world as opposed to you occasionally pull a stylus out of yeah exactly as opposed to breath of the wild where you're like in this magical uh (laughs) realm and they're like look hey you got a switch i need to check my ipad (laughs) exactly yeah yeah no i I think it's smartly incorporated so i mean you have obviously a big map on it which which looks very nice and is very helpful very nice very crisp yeah showing enemies and where they're looking is a real uh boon for this type of game uh, you have your full menu options in your inventory. You do your hacking on here. When you're looting enemies' pockets, you do that on the touch screen. Like, there's a lot of uses for it. And I think this was so successful that they actually adapted the second screen functionality when they ported the director's cut over to the PS4 and Xbox One. Can you, like, link a phone to it or something? Well, with, uh, I'm sorry, with PS3, you can link up your Vita. And with, oh, the, P- and with the Xbox 360, you used, uh, it was called then the Xbox Smart Glass. It's now just the mobile app. But, uh, yeah, but you, you could do that. And I think that's pretty cool. That is very cool. Uh, one thing I, well, for all that positive stuff with the gamepad, which is really neat, I will say a couple drawbacks are, um, the load times in this game felt crazy long. They were really this long. this is a, this seems like a real recurring theme, too. And it, we didn't play the PS4 version, so I can't compare and contrast. No. But, like, when you die or go to a new area, it was 30 seconds to a minute of load time. It was really long every is, every time. Which fee- is gross. Yeah. Like, and this is a game, like most stealth games, that you can die a lot. Because if you just, kind of, yeah. if you just kind of blow it and expose cover um, and take, like, a couple shots, you'll just be dead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that can get pretty frustrating, yeah. Yeah, and also, the man, I don't know, I just keep going back to this. I remember saying the same thing on, I think, uh, 007 Legends. This, we, we or what is it, the, the gamepad game just feels really bad with first-person shooters. So far, so, that has been true, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. That's what's so bizarre about it. It's like, because yeah. it feels like, you know, obviously the controller's bigger than, like, an Xbox controller, but like the sticks just don't feel like you they go where you want them to go. Like it's so hard yeah. to aim with these things. And I don't know if it's because your thumbs are sort of so stretched out trying to reach over this gamepad or, or it does what, it feels off. Like it just feels a little slower. And I actually went in and like uh cranked up the sensitivity on like both axes and that helped, but it still was a little slow, a little unresponsive, and it's hard to be precise when you're shooting with the Wii gamepad. And, and this is a game that, re- uh, as opposed to like 007 Legend, where you just get like these automatic rifles and just go mow people down, mm. like this is a game where you might have finite, pretty finite amounts of ammo. You run out or quickly. Or you're trying to be stealthy, so you got to pop a dude in the head really quick. So like precision is very important here. Right. And also, this isn't a game like I think 007 Legends, you could just skip the gamepad entirely and just play on a pro controller if you wanted to, which I obviously you can't do that here since the gamepad functionality is so ingrained in the game itself. And, 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 and well rightly done so. Too, rightly yeah. so. Like it, it should be. It's just kind of a bummer that you have those load times and gamepad issues uh, or can, the way it feels, whereas like the features of the gamepad are a very nice addition. No, uh, yeah, you totally. Can't have, you, can't, you can't have cake and eat it too here. But the, the controls never really felt spot on for me. They, yeah. They're doing some interesting stuff here. So most of the game is a first-person shooter, but it will snap into a third person when you go into cover. Mm-hmm. And you hold, get into cover by holding the ZL button, and then you need to peek out from around cover to shoot by pressing up on the L stick, and that kind of gives you a little crosshair. Yeah, this was a very similar style to uh, the James, James Bond PS3 games we 
Yeah, the Quantum of Solace, and I think Blood Diamond did that a little bit too, yeah. or Bloodstone. Bloodstone, yeah. Um, you know, so it, not a not a terrible system. Like, and I appreciate it. It provides a little bit of variety, but I did have the problem of being trained to play first person shooters on other consoles. I always think, okay, L L two is uh, aim, R two is shoot. And that's not the case here. If you want to aim, you need to click your right stick to go into like a, mm. a, a iron sights mode. Okay. And that, it, I don't know. It, it, that's I struggle with that. I kept snapping to cover when I was trying to like take aim at somebody's head. Oh, or something like sure. Because you're so, holding the left trigger, so it right. pulls you to cover. So I struggled with that a little bit. I, I do think that the gunplay, like for this not being sort of a guns blazing style game, I was happy with it. Like I like the way it snaps into the third person, and I felt like. It was satisfying to get some headshots off, and the enemy AI was reasonable. You also have a like melee attack when you get next to people. You press Y, and it goes to like this cutscene of you either like impaling the person mm. or just pirouetting them around and clobbering them. Yeah, yeah, he does a little like uh, uh, zoot suit spin, you know. I wish that it didn't cut to that scene every time. I wish there was a much quicker animation. Like, yeah, this is something that I've really grown to to believe is that anything that happens repeatedly in your game find a way to make it as short as possible yeah because like the first time that you see this animation like it's cool you're like oh look at this cool thing that i did and like the fourth time you're like all right let's let's move this along weird like elbow knives like his his not his swords come out of his elbows and then he like stabs them down like that yeah and it looks cool the first time i agree but it does tend to repeat a little bit. Like the all-time, the all-time greatest melee animation uh, was in the first Halo mm-hmm. with the default pistol, oh. where he'll just whack with the back of the pistol and flip it around in his hand. That's a good one. And yeah. like it, it was very fast and it was very crisp and never got old. Yeah, uh, no, I liked that one. Yeah, so uh, you start the game. Uh, it it kind of puts you on a mission, like sort of a training mode, but it is like a full-fledged mission. And at the at the outset, you can decide if you want to go in guns blazing or if you want to take a stealthier approach. Like your boss will ask you directly, and that doesn't mean you're locked to one path or another. Like I chose stealth, but it didn't really go that way for me. But it does affect what your loadout is going to be when you go into the mission. Uh, so, like since I chose stealthy, I started off with a tranquilizer rifle, uh, and then I quickly realized the tranqu tranq rifle sucks because. Sure. You can't really aim it. There are no crosshairs when you aim oh, it, yeah. which is a pain in the ass. Yeah. And you're also very limited on ammo. Well, this game has a weird mechanic you were talking about where at the beginning of the game, like, your aim is bad. Like, you, your character, there's so many things that you can level up in this game mm-hmm. that your character is always very inept. Like, your default jump, you jump, like, inches off the ground like i can jump higher than this guy. yeah 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 um and i'm a white man you got and no we ups. all know about white men and jumping can't do it <laughs> can't do right. it yeah um, well, ask woody harrelson I, yeah. I i did you did I yeah, him, yeah i sent him a fan letter oh you guys are on the woody network yeah, yeah well, you guys exactly. are you guys are all you all commune like a hive mind yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um and like your crosshairs are wider like you take more damage again it's much as the way all the deus ex games is. there's a lot of stuff you can level up here like yeah. you can level up persuasion yeah to yeah. be able to convince people of things those were some of the cooler sections like the conversation because there there's a scene where i had to negotiate i had to get a terrorist to like let a civilian go you know and so i had to keep trying out different options you know it gives you the option to like either brood in or insult him, or you can try and empathize with him a little bit, or you can try and plead with him and kind of show your belly, you know? So there are different options that you can take for each situation. I was able to talk him out of killing the hostage, and he ran away, 
But then later I was having a conversation with a cop like to help get him to get some information for me. And I chose some wrong options and that locked it out for me. Oh, I see. But that doesn't mean I can't proceed. It just means I need to find a route around back of the police station and sneak in and get my stuff that way. Or in our case, just go in and light up the police. Yeah, we just shot a lot of cops. Yeah, yeah we went in. Immediately somebody saw us and they... We, we didn't even do it fair, intentionally. They drew first blood. They drew sure. first blood. We, 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 I mean, for what it's worth, we had stuck snuck in the vat of the... Uh, or the vent of the police station. Sure, which it I, looks I, looks suspicious. It does look I will suspicious, I will yeah. grant you that. Like if I see somebody sneaking around in my vents, I'm gonna be a little creeped out. I might think they're from that episode of the X Files with the stretchy guy, and I don't want him <laughs> sure, in there. No. I don't want that guy. Uh, yeah. So yeah, definitely we we triggered that event, and then that definitely made things a little difficult for us as we were working through the quest. Like this is the type of game where. When you're walking around the open world sections, if you have your gun out, people are going to react differently to you than it, if you don't. It also feels like there's potential moments where you would almost get yourself in unwinnable game states where, right. like, you had attracted the ire of the police and then left the station, but they were still angry at you. So well, I think as... we need to clarify, I attracted the ire of the police by throwing a vending machine in their lobby. Sure. They don't like that, it turns no, out. True. Yeah, don't we, pick we... up and throw vending machines. Yeah, um... <laughs> And but the, so then you very thoughtfully left and went on your way. Sure. Um, but they followed you, and as soon as you went out the door, you got shot. Yeah, they were waiting for me. And They're like, like "Here's okay. the vending machine guy. Get him." <laughs> Low light. Yeah, we got a, a 490 vending machine tosser. He on the, tipped on the over lamb. my Mister Good bars. Kill him. Yeah, exactly. Or Mister Mister Pibs are leaking everywhere. Um, <laughs> this man is more animal than man. Yeah. Kill him. <laughs> we're drowning in Mountain Dew here. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyway, um, so you got shot in the head, yep. and you went to load last checkpoint, which immediately loaded from the moment that you stepped outside the police station, and they shot me even to faster. Get shot in the head again. It just got a horrible time loop right in the face, yeah, Luckily, over and over again. It let you load the previous save before that, but yeah. this does feel like the kind of thing that if you're not paying it. I don't, again, this is like the Deus Ex games do feel very rooted in PC games because like another oh, yeah. aspect of PC gaming is like the quick save where you just press like F10 and save and then you'd like get seen and rather than having to reload the game, you would just press 12 and it would like F12 and it would back to where you quick saved. Yeah. Um, and that's always a trickier thing to remember on consoles, which are more built on like auto saves right exactly exactly and i don't like this game just felt a little i wanted this game to be a little handholdier like that's i mean yeah. I, I like linear games in general but it really felt like it kind of just put us out there and it we had like a bunch of missions and it didn't make it super clear which one we should do or where to go i just wanted yeah, navigation a couple, was a problem a couple more tool tips yeah like it felt easy to just sort of wander into the wrong side of town and get blasted by a gang and you're like is this what i'm supposed to be doing like yeah i think you you said it well like when we were playing that it's open-ended to a fault like there's just there are too many options and you kind of get a little lost in the muck you know you do get kind of waypoints that appear on your map but like I, I found it pretty hard to read because sometimes it would be pointing me into a direction and I would just like take me into a brick wall, you know, because right. it's going as the crow flies and not like navigating me. And there's to the no spot. like quick navigation on the menu. You can't be no. like, okay, I'm stuck on this mission. I don't want to deal with going through this cop station anymore. And I don't think it's like a massive, massive world. Like I right. don't think you're going to a lot of different places and the places that you're going. Uh, this is all supposed to be set in futuristic Detroit, by the way. Okay. Um, the the mother, the ho home of innovation, the home yeah. of engineering. Yeah. So yeah, all. But 
yeah, uh, traveling around felt a little, um, I don't know, a little drab. But I mean, I do like wandering through the world and like interacting with different people and seeing how they react to you and like the questions that they ask you and the variety of the responses that you get. Uh, oh, the hacking mini game is another thing I wanted to bring oh, up. Yeah. That comes up a lot. I found this hacking mini game to be really confusing and very frustrating. It's kind of like a strategy RPG well, tower like a, defense thing. It's like thing? a race. Yeah, kind of. Like, a lot of you start at this sort of it, it all takes place on the gamepad which is cool, cool. but you yeah. start on like this kind of glo- node. It actually it's kind of like the hacking or lock mechanism in Half-Life Alex. Oh yeah, where you sure. like link up these different nodes yeah. except as soon as you click on the next one to link up, often you'll get traced and then they'll send this red line from the other node and if you if you like connect all the the round nodes to the round nodes before yeah. the red line hits your round node, um, then you win. But I mean, I was I opened up the tutorial and I was reading it. and It's just like, okay, well, this is all about uh, bridging data points using bridges, and uh, you can use this nuke worm or perhaps a stop worm or like yeah, I, you, I you like, do get items that then you can press and it will like stop that red line for a few seconds, which seemed almost essential. Like yeah. a lot of these, it seemed impossible to be able to hack it fast enough. And some of it, you just have to like either fortify your your home node or like capture a different one to kind of branch out. I don't know. Hi. It, is your home node adequately fortified? Call well, Woody's home node fortifiers. <laughs> we'll come and we'll fortify your nodes free of charge. Wow, yeah, free? That's well, a good, you can't beat that deal. Well, I've, I've just looked at other clear, node fortifiers in the past. The free part is just an inspection. We expect your, inspect oh. your nodes for free. That's on us. Okay. But if you, want, if you want them fortified, then you gotta, then you got to pay up. There you go. So yeah. call us if you want some node inspections. Yeah. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get all up in those nodes. What is the best hacking minigame i kind of liked uh one that comes to mind is bioshock i like had, bioshock a lot you had those tubes they, it was like a flow of liquid and they you make you to... play a game of pipe dream every time you want to like solve it like because that, like that one yeah. was immediately intuitive yeah yeah what was the one i i also have a memory of there being a hacking game in uh, the spider-man for ps4 but i don't remember oh, yeah, what yeah. that actually was there there was um God, I'm I'm blanking on that now as well. There was a lot of the hacking minigame, and I remember enjoying that as well. Okay. Uh, Mass Effect has some good ones where it's kind of just basically like um, shape-matching things. Yeah, uh, I, I think the lesson is for ha- the hacking minigames, they want to be like, you look at it and you understand what it is. Yeah, you don't want it to be super complex. You don't want it to be like, because you're going to be doing a lot of these hackings. Like, yeah. you, you have to, like, through the nature of the game. And so I w- we kept getting locked out of them, like even on the like lowest level, seconds, which is annoying. That's like one whole. That's like half a load time. I in know. This game. Jeez, come on, come on, pick it up. Uh, you know, so this this is a game that really like is is hell on our particular format. You yeah. know, this is not a game you can really see in an hour. And I, I played longer. You know, mm-hmm. I, I played in advance just because I had a feeling like this, yeah, you this actually game make is, make it through the tutorial. Right, you know, and you want to get to a point where it opens up. And it is also a game that does actively get better the more you play it and the more, like, praxis points you get to upgrade your systems. You know, it it feels like a noticeably different and improved game the more you play it. And it's interesting thematically because it's, like, it's, it's reflecting how you're supposed to be improving yourself. But as a gameplay mechanic, it's a little unsatisfying because it means it's going to be kind of shitty at the beginning. Like, not even shitty, it's just... You feel it's, very disempowered. To you start. feel very unempowered. You feel very uh, kind of lost in the early going. Yeah, it's definitely a game where you're like, 
all right, I'm going to commit to this and I'm going to play this game. And like three hours in, you can't really make a judgment on whether you're going to keep playing it until like three or four hours in. Because it does feel a little homeworky, you know, uh-huh. it feels um, uh, I, I wasn't getting that like kinetic rush that you get from like a first person shooter. And I wasn't really getting the satisfying story I'd expect from an RPG. So it, there's nothing here at the beginning that engages you, yeah. which, which I think which I think is hard in the sense that there's nothing goofy. There's there's no like sense this game doesn't feel fun like yeah. the aesthetic is not fun but there's also nothing where you're like oh i really care about these world and care about these characters and no, no. one comes off as particularly charming like a nathan drake type or something yeah that's the thing you just never really get invested in it and it sounds like i mean i'm i'm probably being way too harsh on this game because it is overall like a quality yeah game i think i think there's a lot of really cool like innovative stuff like going on here i i just didn't really connect with it and i want have you played cyberpunk 2077 yet? never have yeah okay because no. i do i do wonder like this is always a sort of genre and even now like the ideas behind deus ex are always pretty ambitious yeah and i'm still not sure that these games have ever really nailed it in the sense that they're working with so many variables mm-hmm. there's always ways that they feel wrong where yeah. you like level up your stealth and then you end up just walking through vents or you try to level up your like diplomacy, but inevitably comes down to gunfights. Like they never, they're so many games that go for this kind of thing. I think maybe the new Hitman games have achieved this because I know people really like those. Yeah. I hear really good things of like these open ended things, but you never, it's so rare that you actually feel like you are doing it the way you want as opposed to just sort of following the combat path that has been set no i i think that's a good way to put it yeah you don't you don't really feel like you're taking charge of your own destiny it kind of just feels like random shit happening and you have to adapt yeah um and so i don't know i'm betting that even now i mean this game at this point is 10 years old yeah the original came out in 2011 and i'm betting that there has been plenty of versions that try to achieve the same thing that this game does that have done it better. And I'm, I'm curious actually how um, the sequel that came out uh, uh, kind of addresses some of these issues and brings it into the, the modern uh, era a little bit more. Uh, yeah. Like I said, this game was followed up by a sequel called Deus Ex Mankind Divided, which debuted in 2016. Uh, it also had two pretty noteworthy mobile games. The first one was called Deus Ex The Fall, which is actually one of the more ambitious, like handheld mobile games you saw, especially at that time. Like, it was trying to be a first-person, like 3D Deus Ex shooting wow. game on your early mobile phone, okay. and it was very short. But from what I understand, it kind of got the the spirit right, That's you know. Cool. And it did have some branching paths. The other one they did was called Deus Ex Go, which is part of a series of turn-based puzzles that uh, puzzle games that IDOS was doing. They have a, a Hitman Go and a Laura Croft Go as well. And it's kind of like um, like turn-based like puzzles. Like you, you pick your route through the world, you take out bad guys, and then, yeah, they're all right. They're kind of fun. But yeah, Mankind Divided, kind of a flop when it came out in 2016. And so uh, rumors have kind of started to circulate that IDOS is letting the series die after that. Okay. And that seemed to be kind of borne out by the fact that the team was moved on to Tomb Raider and the Avengers. Like, you know, they had been pretty much exclusively Deus Ex at that point. So... 
The future is a little bit unclear, but you know, this is a game all about evolution. I wouldn't count it out. It might it might uh, arrive in some evolved cybernetic uh, future state. Maybe a, maybe it's a VR game. Maybe it. Yeah, this would work well as a VR game. It's a game. game you put on a you know di- little tiny digital screen inside your eyelids or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not? I don't think that this is a series where the the world is sort of what we're missing like the aesthetic Mm -hmm. like i think this is a series where the gameplay is what comes first and foremost and like the gameplay could easily be integrated and has been integrated into plenty other games yeah so there's plenty of ways to get your first person like open-ended fix out there definitely definitely all right well let's move on to our rankings for this game each week we are ranking the games that we have played and adding them to our collective database which I am perusing right now. I keep forgetting to look at my rankings beforehand because, in fact, I do suck. <laughs> uh, so let's take a look at where I would put this. I think I know. Um, yes, I do know. So I'm going to put this at number 19. That's sandwiching it right below Star Fox Guard and right above Sniper Elite V2, which I think this is a more polished, more ambitious game than Sniper Elite uh, but I think a lot of the mechanics did just kind of leave me cold, and uh, I don't know. I, it's it's a game I want to like a lot more than I do. Yeah, um, I would be curious to play this game more. I think the ideas behind Deus Ex are always so good, um, and I think we might have just gotten stuck at an irritating part. It's um, possible, yeah, and not. This is definitely a game like settle in for a weekend and be like, all right, I'm going to actually explore this world and sort of plan things out. And also, it does need to be said that like everyone's experience is going to be pretty different. Yeah, that's a good point. Like you go about different missions in different order. Yeah. So Um, and I wish in the gamepad, like this was cool to play a game where you're like, oh, like the Wii U seems like it could be a pretty good way to play it with that gamepad functionality. But those load times and the, just the discomfort of the controller held that back for me as well. That is a problem. Um, I'm going to put it uh, ahead of the Scribblenauts games, which is still, this is basically the divider I keep using. Yeah. It's between Pocket Tournament and Scribblenauts Unlimited, so I'm putting it right under Pocket Tournament. So is Pocket Tournament, tournament like uh, where you still like it? or like? Or what, yeah, I like Pocket Tournament. Okay, so this is just below, like the kind of just out of the... Yeah, well, like le- the Lego, circle. this is right ahead of the Lego games too, and like mm. those are like, they could be on or not. Those are like I'm totally neutral on. They are, yeah, and, they're very... Uh, and Sniper Elite yeah, is yeah. like when things start to... I get less enjoyable of them. And then Minecraft was me being a cranky old man. Sure. So yes, yeah, yes. this is like number 15 <laughs> or something around there. I think you're the only one who's upset about your mind. I know, rankings, but it but keeps still, messing still. me up. I, I, I appreciate the, the atonement here. Yeah. All right. We do have a couple of letters here. Um, this first one says, uh, ooh, Ah, ah. It says, ah, boo, ah, ah I'm falling ah, into quicksand. Ah, ah, help me. Help me. Oh, man, we're probably I'm being way tickled too late. by my significant other. <laughs> ah, ooh, ah. I don't know why I'm typing this out. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm using voice to text and yeah, uh, I'm exactly. being tickled. Uh, hey, Steve Woody, and insert potential guest name here. Uh, let's uh, call him Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, the brother of Terry Cruise. That's right. So good to see you. Thank <laughs> you for being here. Uh, the Wipeout games may have been garbage, but I can tell you that the real sport of OCR, or obstacle course racing, is not. I've been involved with the Ooh. sport since 2012 and actually plan to cover the World Championship, or the OCRWC, 
this weekend in Vermont for my podcast, Obstacle Running Adventures Plug Plug. Ooh, good also, plug. did you hear that Ultra 64 slash Wii Universe has a Patreon? Now we are even. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for plugging us on our... You have to plug us on your show now. That's <laughs> how that go. works. Uh, also, I think it's really weird that the Obstacle Course Championship is in Vermont. Yeah, Like, yeah. somehow I just think of Vermont as a bunch of, like, NPR listeners, not, like, <laughs> obstacle course runners. I don't know. Like, you know, I, I have no... I've never been to Vermont, so I... I That'd be funny if they're just all like extreme sports champions out sure. there. Like they're just really intense and people don't know it. Anyway, hope that you guys try one out for yourself one day. I would love to. I could be wrong, but I believe you guys are somewhere in the Seattle area. And there is a 12-hour toughest mutter in Black Diamond, Washington that goes through the night this weekend. I believe this came in last ah, week, so we darn. missed it. Anything Not, though, I, I only want to do it if it involves like lots of styrofoam that bonks me. I don't want to do it if I have to like run through mud or run a long distance. If it requires me to have an ab, uh, yeah, I don't want to exactly. do it. Exactly. Yeah, because I just want to bounce on things, not yeah. actually like require strength. I want to hurt myself. Yeah, I don't want to try. Um, yeah, so uh, it's not the best way to put your toe in the water of our sport, but still an incredible event to check out. Keep up the great work with the Wii U. There aren't as many gems like the N64, but I assure you there are some. And that is from Michael Stefano. So thank you, Michael. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. What was uh, the name of his podcast? It was again? Obstacle Running Adventures. Okay. So yeah, check that out if you are into obstacle course I, racing. I am interested. All right. Now I'm going to bust out both of these letters because they're both kind of asking the same questions. And then we will address the questions there. Oh, Quantum's trying to get on mic. Hey, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hi, guys. As I'm sure any listener of this podcast is aware of, Nintendo Switch Online will be getting N64 games. And the entire Nintendo Ooh. fandom is collectively celebrating. That was the sound of it. Yeah. Uh, you guys being the comprehensive experts on the matter, I'm curious what your top hidden gems you'd want on the service that are actually likely, i.e. probably not NBA hang time due to licensing yeah. issues. For me, games like Space Station Silicon Valley or Iggy's Wrecking Balls would be fun curiosities, mm -hmm. aside from your typical Mario Karts and Smash Brothers. Thanks, fellas. Keep up the great Wii U goodness. And that's from Dan. Thank you, Dan. And then we have a second letter here covering the same thing. It says, hi, Stephen Woody, and insert name here. <laughs> I'm not sure if you watched the newest Nintendo Direct. However, some big things were announced other than the cast of the Mario movie. Yeah. Since you played every game on the N64 over the years, do you have any excitement for the games coming to Switch, or are you feeling burned out from them? Keep being amazing. And that's from Peter. And P.S., if you have any thoughts you would like to share about the Mario cast, I'd love to hear them as well. All right, so these are kind of the big N64 kind of uh, uh, elephants in the room. Yeah. A, a few people have tweeted us about these. Let's, um, uh, let's make this real quick because there's been 16 games that have been announced thus far. Like this is the Switch Online service that is right now a weird amalgam of games. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot, still a lot of good ones for Super Nintendo and NES. But, yeah. And so they've announced, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to name these games real quick. Yeah, go do it. Dr. Mario 64, Winback Covert Operations, Yoshi's Story, Oh, I shouldn't have picked one that had a goddamn slideshow. Uh, we had Star Fox 64. Okay, thank you. Uh, we have Mario Kart 64, uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, right. Mario Tennis, Super Mario 64, and Sin and Punishment. Those are going to be the ones okay. that are available at launch. Oh, F-Zero X, right? Oh, they, well, available in the future. They've oh. announced uh, Banjo-Kazooie, F-Zero X, Kirby 64, Majora's Mask, Mario Golf, Paper Mario, Pokemon Snap. Okay. Uh, all very strong uh, initial offerings. Yes. No. Yeah. That is I mean, that is are... a great selection of games. They, um, I think it's a good balance because I think that they have the essential games that I am glad are there, but I will not necessarily go and replay, like Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Like I've, I don't feel a desire to replay Ocarina of Time, but the Ooh, more. I do. 
all the, the time. more accessible that is to the more people, like yeah. the better. Absolutely. And it, a lot of those games are that, like Banjo Kazooie, um, Mario sixty four, Paper Mario, Paper yeah. Mario, yeah, our like, number two, those our are number just two game, straight the, yeah. up total classics. I so. mean, most of these are like top twenty games for us when we did our rankings. Like, yeah, uh, they were yeah, all exactly. pretty high. Uh, I love seeing Winback in there. Yeah, kind of like an unsung little uh, little I, I'm fun shooter. I'm sure that that only got included because the license for it was very cheap. Oh no doubt, no. But doubt. But like, it is still kind of a neat game that people miss. I think that the That's least the... exciting game there might be Yoshi's Story. Maybe, maybe. But um, you know, I know Lindsay would disagree with you. Sure. But yeah, yeah. Or but... the Kirby game. Also, they're just kind of like, eh, they're, they're there. They're easy. They're very casual. Players. Yeah. Uh, I love seeing Sin and Punishment uh, very accessible here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's also really a cool. very neat game. I think that Mario Party is the big thing that is missing, and this is not even somebody, you know, we're sort of medium, lukewarm on Mario Party. Uh, no, but undeniably but, a good fit for this yes, platform. Yes, because yeah. I think that is the, like, I would want to go back and probably play, you know, Ocarina of Time on my um, Nintendo 64 still, yeah. just because that is going to have that totally, you know, the, 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 the nostalgic itch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, the games, like, Mario Kart 64 or Smash Brothers that I was Smash Brothers on there. Smash Brothers is not on. Ooh, here I yet. Hope, yeah. I so that that'll yeah. that'll be That's someday. Another big yeah. Hole. Um, like those are the ones that I would want immediately accessible. Like if I bring sure. my Switch over to someone's house, I'm like, oh, let's play, let's bust out Mario Kart 64 oh, yeah. after playing Mario Kart 8. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, so the the cool thing about this too, so this expanded service, they're going to call it the expansion pack, the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack. They haven't said how much extra it's going to cost, but it is going to be an extra premium on your so very much, cheap uh, Switch how Online. How much extra would the break? I mean, like, I'm assuming how much extra would you think it should cost? Like, if we say, all right, Nintendo Switch Online is like twenty dollars a month or twenty dollars a year. That's what it currently is, like yeah. roughly twenty. So a year. if it go, would you spend thirty dollars a year to be able to play the N64 games? Yeah, yeah, uh, I yeah. probably would because I mean, you know, uh, for for those who didn't follow on Twitter or hear the episode, my N sixty four collection is gone now. I have Ooh. sold it, so this is uh, a way for me to kind of get some of those games like easily accessible again, which will be great. Yeah, uh, they and also announced that they're they're releasing uh, wireless controllers, like wireless N sixty four controllers, and Genesis as well. They're doing a Genesis service that you can use with this, and this is the. Uh, I think we covered when it happened, but like Nintendo had filed a patent for like the controller, a recent patent for ah. it, which would people were speculating that this was going to be a mini system, but it's not. It's just going to be this wireless controller and this online service. I mean, that is really, I'm glad that Nintendo is continuing to do this. And this is just a good thing because really what Nintendo should have and what would give them infinite supplies of money is if they just had every game for a Nintendo console people wanted to play that yeah. they could get the license for, uh, like, a, you know, a $20 a month fee or $100 a year. Yeah. just And they would just have infinite cash flows of money. Sure. people will always want to play those, and then they could use all that to make new games people want. Definitely. I don't know. And to have that all on Switch is just so convenient. So. No, I, I love I love that that's there. You know, I, I don't imagine it's going to be terribly expensive uh, I for hope the expansion not. pack. I hope not. Um, I, I mean, I imagine they just kind of painted themselves into a corner by having it so cheap, um, the Switch Online, for so long. Because, it, I mean, not to say it's a particularly valuable service most of the time. No, but. and that's the thing I keep thinking about. Like, we're, we're talking about games that we would want to see on here, but then there's also the games that you're likely to see. And if you look at what they have already on the NES and Super NES, some of those, they're really kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Like Scat for the NES, or like uh, uh, Tough Enough on the sure. Super NES. Like these are not really games that you would like 
think of, you know, or, or so, I mean, if that's the case, we're probably going to get like MRC or Charlie Blast territory or yeah. kind of like bargain basement titles like that. It's also good that it's really cool that Banjo-Kazooie is on that list because yeah. it means that we'll probably get some more rare games. Like great. Yeah. Blast Core would be great on there. Goldeneye would be great. Yeah. yeah. Goldeneye, yeah. probably another one another not going to happen though because of the license hell. Right. But maybe Perfect Dark would make it. I don't Perfect know. Perfect Dark could probably make it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there could be a lot of really good ones. Um, yeah, like I think Blast Core is perfect. I think that's one that I think people really need to discover. Um, and you know, it is on the rare replay collection, but you know, not everybody's played that one. More people have a Switch, I think, than yeah. um, an Xbox One. Yeah, and I guess well, Rocket would be fun too. Rocket's definitely up there for me. Rocket's I'd like to play more of that. Rayman. Oh yeah, Rayman yeah, Two would yeah, be a lot of third-party games. I know there's just going to be a deluge of like racing games, so I hope they at least like get the cream of the crop. They get the beetle adventure racing. You get your uh, Ridge, Ridge racer. racer yeah. 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 Get, get the really good ones in there. What was the other world driver championship? I yeah. That was a really good. That's one. right. That would be a fun. Poll. That would be a nice one to have on there. Not an exciting like title to see on a list, but a good racing game. I think that, I mean, I guess I get that totally like licensing ruins all the fun for everyone, but yeah. like, that that would really be the dream job, right? Is it's like, all right, it's your job to cultivate Nintendo's online offering. You get, you know, 20 games from every system and just, like, try to get, like, the nice, diverse selection of things Yeah, still, you know, hit all the bases. Yeah, you know, and I'm not even totally ripping on the NES and SNES versions for having, like, those little obscure games because that's in my wheelhouse. Like, yeah. I'm interested in what the hell Joe and Mac are, you know? Yeah. But, uh, it, 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 yeah, it, it just uh, make me curious about what games are actually going to show up. Yeah. Get ready get ready for Rat Attack as part of the, the third wave. Oh, boy, yeah, Rat games. Attack. Yeah, that'll be in there. Yeah. As for the other question, the Mario movie casting, I believe this is going to be an Illumination movie, which already makes me kind of like... But, they're, uh, they're, they're the minions. They're the minions, what, what else guys. has Illumination done? That they did the new about? Grinch. They did Secret Life of Pets. They did Sing. Uh, lots oh. of kind of mid-tier, mid-to-low-tier animated stuff. I think Sing is probably secretly one of those movies that has made like $10 trillion. Oh, it's so, so valuable. And like, again, like... And you're about, who, we're about to get know a sequel. That, who yeah. you know that has seen Sing who doesn't have kids? That me, but, but yeah, oh, okay. still. <laughs> sure. But I'm an animation nerd, so, you know, I've seen it. Uh, so um, tell the, us about this cast. The Mario cast that they announced. We have Ma playing Mario is Chris Pratt. Playing Luigi is Charlie Day. Princess Peach is played by Anya Taylor-Joy. Seth Rogen is playing Donkey Kong. Jack Black is playing Bowser. Keegan-Michael Key is playing Toad. That's fine. Uh, yeah. And Fred Armisen is playing Cranky Kong. Okay. Uh, so... You know, I'm the the big controversy right now is around Chris Pratt being cast because I think we've kind of turned a corner on Chris yes. Pratt as a society. He's definitely the man of the hour five six years ago. He was, and then like he's got some kind of shitty like religious beliefs. He I didn't guess. even like, like blow it that bad in the scope even, of like people who blew it. Like he's not no. like tweeting out like hateful things. He's really think. not. It's just his he's, his continued support of the, of a church that does uh, sure. tweet okay. out some exclusionary stuff. That kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, and also like he hasn't really like, you know, his character in guardians of the galaxy super popped. And then with, by the time he's, uh, in the sequel, like he's the least interesting character, and then you get to the Avengers movies, and he actively is like the worst. So I think he, I mean, I think it proved for as good as he was as playing like sort of either a doofy, pompous guy, like he doesn't really have like 
the versatility to do much more than that. No. And no. so, like, they kind of hit on what he did, and they're like, oh, this guy's going to be big, and then they try to put him in, like, the leading man in, like, Jurassic World. They're like, oh, actually, not not really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't blame Jurassic World on him. Like, no. I think that was just a bad script. But, like, I but will say, like... He's, he's good when you... Uh, let him unleash his comic energy. Yeah, he's got like a he's lot a of great, energy. He's a great voice actor. Like he's a surprise. He doesn't have like a particularly interesting voice, but like he's great in the Lego Movie. Yeah, like, he's really funny. He really in that. is. Yeah, and he's great in Onward, which I don't think is a particularly outstanding movie, but like yeah, he, he's very likable in that voice role that was clearly written for Jack Black, <laughs> who I think inspired casting as Bowser. Yeah, um, and I'm really excited about Charlie Day as Luigi. I think he's the right like energy for that role of kind of the perpetual second banana, you know, um, just to be clear, Diddy Kong is the perpetual second banana. Oh, that's very true. Yeah. And, and if he shoots you with his coconut gun, it's going to hurt. Yeah. Um, no, so I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, the, I think some ahead. of the other controversy too is like that. Uh, and this one I find a little baffling. It's that Chris Pratt isn't Italian and, that I, yeah, but I, no, let's, no, let's no look one at the way Mario's actually been portrayed. I'm not disrespecting yeah. Charles Martinet. I think he's great in what yeah. he does, but that is not the way Italian people talk either. Like no. Mario has kind of weirdly superseded race and and humanity, like in a certain way. Like he's not even a plumber anymore. Like he, they kind of have ridden out a lot of these well, elements. When of his you character. think back, you're like, when was the last time that you heard Mario talk? Not in the right. way like Charles Martinet does it in the games, where, where he just makes noises and exclamations and like little catchphrases, but like where he has a conversation with someone. We were trying to figure that out. It might be like uh, Bob uh, Hoskins, Bob Hoskins. Mario, and yeah. like since they're trying to erase that from the canon, essentially, as they should. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Nintendo does not care about that. They do um, not. Then it kind of makes sense to not push that Italian vibe on it, right? Like I, I do think that that has just kind of been dropped, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, and th so, like, I I can understand people not being very excited about the Pratt announcement. Like, I get that. He, it's it's also, you know, when you just announce a big movie star, takes a big movie star role, it's kind of like, oh, well, okay, that's what you'd expect, yeah. you know? Like, you, I, I don't know what who would have been better in this part. No, I mean, well, you know? when you think about Maybe Mario... Maybe Andy Samberg, I don't know. Why yeah, not? he would have been done fine. But when you think about Mario, like, he's not... Well, this is a case of like a lot of video game uh, protagonists is like they're really just kind of the blank generic person. Yeah. And like the laugh lines or, you know, sort of the character come from all of these side characters. So in that respect, like I think Chris Pratt is a pretty good casting. Because, well, and also like, it kind of signals the, what kind of take that this character is going to have. Because yeah. if we know how he works in vocal performances, you know, it's going to be much more kinetic. It's much more like... Uh, uh, comedic and and kind of like broad than than what mario would traditionally be yeah so i think it's just weird to think like our mental picture of what mario is goes back to like the super show or something sure which is like 30 years old at this point and is terrible yeah so like yeah. let them rebrand mario the way they want it i think and it's, i think yeah it's a good idea to let him evolve and to let him like you know it's the human revolution of yeah. course i mean that's what we're and looking for chris pratt will do a good job because he's a professional sure so, I, yeah. it, it's honestly a movie i probably won't watch but that you is know, not true it, i don't know that is not know. true if I you skipped the okay angry birds the second angry okay birds movie. i, I will know. make a deal with you okay if you go a year without <laughs> watching the animated Mario movie, I will give you a hundred dollars. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, 
Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Unless it's uh, this is going to turn into like a uh, itchy and scratchy movie kind of situation. Because it's good. Yeah. I'm going to be Supreme Justice of the or just Chief Justice of the Supreme Court in like ten years. Yeah, because exactly. I didn't watch the Mario movie. You have watched so many garbage movies. It's true. And so the Including reality, the garbage pale kids. Movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the reality in which you decide, ah, oh, no, that Mario movie. I'll skip that one. Is the reality that does not exist. It's it's possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, You're trying we'll to play see. coy, Steve. Well, I don't know. I just I really don't like these elimination movies. Like I, I but I but I have seen them, you know, so I don't know. And I am okay. No, yeah, you you're right. You caught me on that. You caught me on that. I don't I probably will end up seeing it. I will be I will be crouchy about it, I think. That's I will, I will not be happy to see that, that movie. Is fair. I will there, not be happy with myself as a person. I totally I get that. There has now there's now a new genre of movie that I think has been established where there's essentially like, or, or media in general, mm. which is like thing I feel obligated to be a part of. Sure. Like I just watched the movie Willy's Wonderland okay. where Nicolas Cage fights a bunch of animatronics. I knew it was not going to be good. Mm. It was not particularly good, but I'm like, all right, this is a movie where Nick Cage, Nick, I call him Nick Cave. Yeah, you guys are buddies. Fa- yeah, yeah, famous famous Australian singer Nick Cave. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> in where Nick Cage fights a bunch of animatronics at like a Chuck E. Cheese and like does a pinball dance. Yeah. Like I just, I'm like legally obligated to see this movie. Sure, just like when the, the movie where Nicolas Cage plays himself in a movie written and directed Again, by Nicolas Cage. Exactly, like, like legally obligated to see, see it, it. Even though probably not going to be that good. Probably I not. Don't, maybe it'll be great. But the point is like, that's that's just a weird feeling when you're like, yep, I guess I guess I got to go see the animated Mario movie now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it might end up being one of those situations, but you know, it, it may surprise us. There, Maybe it'll there, be great. There's I mean, yet to a, be like a really good video game movie, like shockingly. That's still. a great, a great funny cast that yeah, they, they have cast. Yeah, you know, I I think there's there's some potential fun to be had, but we will see. I'm not engaging in the controversy part of it, but you know, it's, it's a fake. It's a good it's a good discussion to have. The I real think. controversy is why is it not a lord and miller movie yeah that's, i know that, that's, that's really what we want that's kind of more of the bummer but i just kind of want them to do every movie yeah all right everybody well we have yammered on for quite a bit <laughs> the today. remake of unforgiven by lord and miller yes <laughs> oh my god it would be so wacky and then they'd bring in characters from other clint eastwood westerns <laughs> sure. like wouldn't it be crazy if enter high plains east- drifter just wandered in enter the eastwood verse yes Sully sullivan <laughs> sullenberger flies in but an american sniper saves him at the last minute yeah. by taking out all those damn seagulls yeah uh, all right, so next week uh, we are playing another couple of games that will make us question what it is that makes us human. We really are going to confront and Ooh. grapple with some really intense issues as we play Barbie Dreamhouse Party <laughs> and Barbie you and her sister's me. Puppy Rescue. <laughs> yes, we're really going to be digging deep on the Barbie verse. Oh my uh, God, I've never a long played a Barbie coming. game. Uh, I'm very excited because I think this is going to. This is honestly, these games are one of the reasons I wanted to do this show. Just because this is a particular subset of gaming history, like I just don't know anything about. Well, and the fact and, uh, is, if you had been in your home playing the, you you saw those Barbie games on your shelf, and you're like, ah, I really want to play these. Yeah. But if I'm just in my home playing them, but of my own free will, it'll feel weird and gross. And so, like, yeah, it's if like I'm doing a podcast, home, sometimes I sit at home playing all my Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen games, <laughs> and I feel like a weirdo. But if you make it like homework for your podcast, and then somebody walks in, you're like, oh, I'm just doing research for the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, don't yeah. worry. Don't worry. I am not enjoying dressing up this doll. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do not worry about it. All right. So, tune in for a double dose of Barbie next week. Uh, and in the meantime, I'm going to cybernetically enhance myself to uh, activate this stop button on my recording. 
Uh, give me two to three hours for me to just tighten these lug nuts. Crink, 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 crink. You can go. Crink, crink. Are crink, you just going to loop this sound crink, for two hours? It's going to be a longest No, I'm doing it live. Oh. Crink, crink, crink. No, I'm going to stop. All right. Activating. Cybernetic implant. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.